0: Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh man, how are you supposed to preach off the back of babies and worship and goodness. Oh, my gosh. Can we just give it up for God again? He is so good, so faithful. Oh, my gosh. Wow. All the babies, all the mamas, all the daddies. I love it. I love it. Oh, fantastic. Well, are you glad that you're in the house of God this morning? Come on. Is the Lord moving in this place? Is he moving inside of you? Are you ready for the move to continue? Come on. Man, God is so faithful, and He is so great. Um, can we also just give it up for takeover worship, holding it down, and just, wow, wow, wow. Man, what a, what a Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, well, it's great to be in the house of God, and this morning, we're going to continue our season in church, pierce the veil. Has this been blessed? Have you been blessed by this series so far? Have you been blessed in the season in church? Come on, who? Y'all, deliverance broke out in this house last week. Come on, give it up for God. He's still delivering people. He's still delivering people. And here's the deal. Here's the deal about deliverance. Once again, I'm going to repeat this just so that you get this on the inside of you. I want this tattooed on your bones. Deliverance is for today. Deliverance is for me. Deliverance is my ministry. Amen? Come on, because man, the second God unlocks and breaks out and does something new to his church to his bride in this community when he does that it's with the trust and understanding that you and i as his sons and daughters as his co-heirs with christ that you and i that we are going to steward that well Anytime he busts out a gift, it is always intended for us to continue to steward it. So deliverance isn't just for a Sunday. We're not just going to have a deliverance Sunday every now and again. No, deliverance is our lifestyle because deliverance is our calling. Deliverance is our ministry. Amen. And so we're going to keep this going. And it can't be. Listen, listen. It cannot be simply for pastors to steward the gifts and moves of the Holy Spirit. The days of pastors carrying the spiritual water buckets for the house of God is done. Let the church know it's time for the bride to have her own faith. Amen. It's time for the church, for the parishioners, for the members, for the Christian to be full of faith. Amen. Come on. So help me in stewarding this season of deliverance. Well, this morning, if you're taking notes, where are my note takers at? i got note takers in the place. I should have every hand up. Every hand should be taking notes. Every person should be taking notes. Why? Because you should. I told you. Okay? Give me a better reason, pastor. There is none. Okay? You want to get closer to Jesus? Take notes in church. The title of my message today is this. Are you ready? Yep. Heirs of oneness. Heirs of oneness. Heirs of oneness. And if you're ready for the Bible, who loves the word of God? Who is building their life based off the word of God? Come on. Romans 8, 12 through 39. It's a good chunk, but it's a good chunk. Romans 8 12 through 39 if you have your Bible you can turn there I'm coming out of the ESV if you don't you can put it up on the sky Bible give it up for Adrian in the sky Bible holding it down we got DJ and Kenny and there's like a thousand people back there right now I <laughs> don't know what's happening but hopefully it's good um but they are awesome Romans eight twelve through 39 here we go so then somebody say so then brothers <laughs> Kyle Stevens I'll tell you what so then, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Somebody say, Abba, Father. No, say it like you know he's your dad. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Come on. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the present sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who had the first fruits of the spirit, we groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God whose will and we know that for those who love God all things work together according work together for good according to those who are called to his purpose And for those whom whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, he justified. And those he justified, he has also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If it is God who justifies, who is it to condemn? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, go home right now. We can go home right now. All right, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to meet us here in this moment. And we're going to see what the Lord will do. Sound good? Fantastic. Father God. Father God, we are, we are convinced people this morning. Father God, we are convinced of your majesty, of your beauty, of your glory, of your holiness, of your plans and your purposes and your design. God, this morning... God, this morning, you are moving in this room, God, and we relent, we relent to you. We concede to your ways, we concede to your glory, we concede to who you are, we concede to who you say we are. We concede, we concede, we concede. So God, this morning, knowing that you have full obedience of every saint in the house, this morning, King Jesus, would you make us like you? This morning, King Jesus, would you call your bride unto yourself and let her know you should be like me? And will you let her know that you can make her like you? The Holy Spirit, we concede, we relent, we submit, and we say, come, have your way and make us look more like you in the mighty name of Jesus. Today, God, we say we will deny ourselves as to not be denied by what you have for us, God. We deny ourselves and we take on all that you are, all that you believe we can be, and all that your precious blood was spilled for on Calvary. So come, Lord Jesus. Your bride is ready to be like you. In Jesus, my name a faith-filled church said, amen. amen. How about you praise him one more time? Come on, he's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. I just, oh. what the Lord did in our room, in our midst, in this place last week, it cannot be overstated and it cannot be overappreciated it needs to be stewarded it needs to be stewarded If, if we only understood truly truly grasped if we could truly wrap our minds around the fact that God visits many homes but he lives in few and he lives in this one that right now we live in a time where, yeah, wherever the name of Jesus is lifted up where two or more gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. But he doesn't move in every room the way he moves in this room. He doesn't move in every house the way he's been moving in this house. And if we began to get a revelation of how special that is, man, we would change this region. We would change this region if we truly grasp How special and significant what he's choosing to do in our midst, not unto our glory, but unto his and his alone. What he is choosing to do here, there's not a thing that could stop us from getting the gospel out. There's not a thing. And so, what we need to understand as a church, the time for lone gunmen is done. A lone ranger is a dead ranger. You cannot do this alone. Christians were made for community. It is what it's about. House church is not a thing. It is temples and then it's tents. We are made to be together. And now is the time. There are too many wolves for sheep to be found alone. I appreciate anybody this morning. I feel the Holy Spirit all up on this. You can't be alone. He is like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. Sheeps need to be in herds, and herds need a shepherd. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. We need to be together. And when we're together, we need a steward, steward, not just manage. not talking about management. We are not in the management business. We are also not in the PR business. Jesus does not need you to be his PR, okay? You are not here to give Jesus a good image in the earth. He is the only one worthy, okay? We are here to be stewards of his image in the earth, amen? We are not his personal marketing campaign. We are his sons and his daughters, his body and his bride, his hand and his feet. And right now, friends, right now in the earth, there is a great revealing that is taking place. The wheat is being separated from the chaff. The real is being separated from the phony. And those who really follow Jesus are being exposed for being followers of Jesus. And those who are not real followers of Jesus are being exposed for not being real followers of Jesus. You see, so often right now when the world is on this crazy Amtrak on its way to hell right now, okay, right now we're so often found praying like, Lord, do something. Lord, would you shake the White House? Lord, would you do these things? And those are good prayers, but they're not the best prayers. Because God, before he judges the world, he always judges his own house. So what we're seeing right now, what we're seeing pastors and worship leaders being exposed for the secret sin that they're having in their lives, for the things that they're not stewarding well, for the phoniness that they're putting on to merchandise the name of Jesus but not actually have any fruit for the name of Jesus. What we're seeing happening in the earth right now is because God is first judging his own house. He's not going to clean the white house before he cleans his house. what that means is that the bride needs to be ready. But the bride isn't pastors and worship leaders. We're a part, but we're not the sum total. You are. You are. And what's happening right now is this great shaking is happening in and the great golden calf of image, flashiness, LED screens and smoke machines, personalities with no oil, it's all being ripped away. It's all being exposed. The mask is coming off the bride. And her true face is being revealed to her bridegroom, Lord Jesus, in this hour. God said it himself. He goes, hey, I will not be mocked. For a man sows, so shall he reap. And I got to tell you what, the bride is reaping what she has sown in this hour. Matt, that sounds scary. It is. Should be. Should be. Gone are the days. Gone are the days where we just have a occasional relationship with Christ and not a reverent one. We've lived in irreverence of his holiness of his power, of his beauty. For far too long, we have become casualties of casualness. I came with a simple mission today, but it is a massive message. And it is to remind every Christian in this house, you are co heirs with Christ. You are co-heirs with Christ. Somebody say, I am a co-heir with Christ. Come on, somebody. We got to get this remembered today. We've got to get a deeper revelation of our inheritance today. We have got to get a deep in our bones, fire on the inside kind of revelation from heaven this morning that we are not simply bystanders. We are not simply NPCs, non-playable characters in the world. No, you are co Heirs with Christ. Too many Christians today are living as NPCs. Too many of us are living like we're not the main characters of the game. Too many of us are living like it is someone else's responsibility to be co-heirs with Christ. We get all of the benefit without any of the relationship. I appreciate anybody this morning. The time for the non-playable bride is done. Because we're co-heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. Today, I need you to understand, church, Jesus is the single most important thing about you. Jesus is the single most important thing about you. What you believe about Jesus is the single most important thing about you. How you see Jesus is the single most important thing about you. As a Christian, you have one defining characteristic. You have one thing that makes you beautiful. You have one thing that brings you value. You have one thing that gives you promotion and prominence in the earth. There is one thing about you that defines you as the Christian. It is Lord Jesus himself. Because we're co-heirs. Because we're co-heirs. Heirs. You see the reason we call the heirs of oneness is because the single most important thing that you inherit by being reborn in Jesus Christ is your oneness with God. Single most important thing of all the things that come along with being a born again brother and sister in Christ Jesus, of all the things that come along with it, one thing tops them all, one thing goes above the rest, one thing is more important and more powerful than any other thing that comes along with a relationship with Jesus, and it is now your ability for oneness with God. Oneness with God. Here's the single most important thing about you. You see, so many Christians, we live powerless lives. We live silly, powerless lives. And the reason we live powerless lives is due to a lack of revelation. But a lack of revelation is not due to a lack of information. A lack of revelation is due to a lack of intimacy with Jesus. I preach to anybody this morning you see we got all the information in the world available to us at our fingertips it has nothing to do with not knowing about Jesus it has everything to do with not actually knowing Jesus revelation comes from intimacy with Christ and intimacy with Christ breeds the power of Christ in the believer You see, you and I, we have this inheritance that comes along and it's due to our rebirth, okay? You cannot have an inheritance of God without having a rebirth in Christ. Amen? Are you hearing me? You do not get your inheritance from God without a rebirth in Christ Jesus. And a rebirth only comes after what? Burial. Where you die to your will and you come alive to His. You die to your life and you come alive to His. It is the most mature thing you can do to deny your life and take up his life. The most immature thing you can do is take up your life and deny his life. I preach to anybody this morning, but so often that's how we live, right? That's how we live. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is the one to come, the one who will forever be, the one. Jesus is on a throne in heaven and he is going, I can live through you. And yet his bride is often found, thanks Jesus, I've got it. How silly we must look to heaven when we tell Jesus, no thanks, we've got it. How silly we must look The Christ is saying, I will live through you. I will live your life. I will overcome. I will do greater works. I will do amazing things. I will make much in the earth. I will push back the powers of darkness. I will help you overcome temptation and sin. You can be a new creation. And often we're going, I've got it. I've got it, Jesus. And Jesus is going, you having it is the reason your foot is in a snare right now. You need the chain-breaking God. The bride needs the chain-breaking God. And the chain-breaking power of God is available to every single believer, every single co-heir in Christ. The problem is there is an activation clause in your inheritance with God, and it is called you die he lives. You die, he lives. Inheritance is activated upon you dying and him living. You see, your inheritance clause, your inheritance, it's not activated upon a coming of age. It's it's activated upon a maturity taking place a maturity taking place. Everything that God has made available in Christ Jesus is made available to every Christian who is found in Christ Jesus. You see, today we live in a world where there's not a whole lot of monarchs. There's a few. We live in a day where there is a lot of rich people And we live in a day where every single person at some point in time will have to establish a last will and testament. And what all of these things have in common isn't the money that's associated, the property that's given, or the status that comes along with it, or the debt. What all these things have in common is litigation, and limitations. Litigation and limitations. You see, because whether you're a monarch, rich, or poor, there are limitations to what you will inherit. And whether you are a monarch, rich, or poor, there are litigations that will take place in order to get what has been left to you. But for the Christian, your inheritance There are no limitations. And as far as litigation goes, it's already been decided upon with Christ on the cross. I preach to anybody this morning. Yet for so many Christians, we live this life going, I have this inheritance, they call me a co-heir with Christ, and yet we live with limitations on us, believing that we have a $200 a day max withdrawal limit upon our inheritance of God, and that is simply not true. If there are no limitations on what Christ can do, there are no limitations on what you can do. I've got to remind you of who you are. I've got to remind you just in the heavens who you are. am right. I preaching to anybody this morning. You see, Paul, he explains this in another letter in 1 Corinthians, and he says, listen, church, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Why is Christ in you the hope of glory? Because if Christ is in you, then in you is all the things that are in Christ. If Christ is in you, then in you are all of the things that Christ is in. Hear me today, church. Are you hearing me? Listen, I've got to wake a bride up. I've got to tell you this morning just who you are, just what Jesus paid for, just what is on the inside of you. The hope of glory is on the inside of you if you are a co-heir with Christ. You see, the activation of your inheritance, Jesus says it. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, if my word abides in you and you abide in my word, you can ask for anything in my name and my Father will give it to you. The problem is we are living like litigation hasn't taken place, even though it's already been settled on the cross, and we are living with limitations of a $200 day max withdrawal on our inheritance. And what that means is that we pray timid prayers, is that we have shallow beliefs, is that we go to God with needing to be rescued instead of living from a place of resurrection. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? There is differences here. You can have as much as you can ask for. I believe that. I believe that. Friends, can I tell you this morning? Can I tell you this morning? What you pray for first reveals what you believe the most. What you pray for first reveals what you believe the most. Today, I want to ask the question, what's written on the heart of Jesus? What is the thing he believes more than anything? What is written on the heart of Jesus? And then I want to turn the gun on ourselves, and I want to ask Is what is written on the heart of Jesus written on my heart? Is his word in me? And am I in his word? Because what is written on the heart of Jesus is his word. And he is in his word. Because Jesus is the word made flesh. What you pray first reveals what you believe the most. I'm going to break it down in just a second, but if we're living lives without this revelation that you are an actual co-heir with Christ then you're going to live lives that do not reflect the inheritance that's been given to you. And I think we should honestly evaluate. I think we should honestly ask. I think we should take a step back and we should go, does my life reflect the inheritance that Jesus says I have? Does my life reflect Christ in me, the hope of of glory do I have a one day inheritance coming or do I have a kingdom bank that I can go to every single day this is real Christianity this is mature Christianity This is what it looks like to actually be a Jesus follower. We say we want to follow Jesus, yet we don't follow the ways of Jesus. Jesus never prayed shy prayers. Jesus never shrunk back when he was called to stand up. Jesus never looked at a mountain that he didn't know God could move. But for so many Christians, we are living below the poverty line of the kingdom of heaven. And that time is up. Too many Christians today, we are living life support Christianity. The Christian life isn't one of life support, isn't one of feeding tubes. The Christian life is the one where you run out of the tomb that Jesus found you in. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You are dangerous. You are powerful. You have the same inheritance that Jesus does. Co-heirs, co Labors co-mission with Christ Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, I love the Apostle Paul, and I love the Book of Romans. The Book of Romans is mind-blowing to me because Paul, he's writing to just this band of misfits in the most significant city on the earth. At that time. Rome, craziest place. Caesar running everything. Talk about debauchery. 24-7 everywhere you go, Rome was Babylon personified. It's a massive place. Perversion on the run. Power is what everyone is drunk on. Every single taboo situation you want to find yourself in, they aren't available. And Paul, he is writing to these Jewish believers these Gentile believers, these Romans, these Greeks, these Jews, and it's made up of all of these different people from these different backgrounds. And yet Paul chooses in the beginnings of Romans to write and preach specifically to his Jewish believers. And it's amazing. It's amazing because the Jews, they are blown away by this. You see, in the beginning, in the beginning of this letter that we didn't read, I'm going to just bypass it real quick. Paul is writing about what it means to live life in the Spirit. To live life in the Spirit. To put your mind on the things of the Spirit and not on the things of the flesh. That you can actually now, Jewish believers, you can now live with an actual, factual, tangible relationship with the God of the universe. Gone are the days of being stuck in the outer courts and being unable to go into the holies of holies. Now the holies of holies resides on the inside of you. You are the temple and the presence of the living God now lives on the inside of you. And the Jewish believers, like us, our minds should be blown. Context is king because context gives clarity to everything God is actually saying. Okay, The chief aim of me isn't for God to back up what Matt is saying. It is for Matt's life to back up what God is saying. Yes. Amen? That's what I do here. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you his. Yes. That is what we do here. It's his words that break chains, not mine. Yes. It's his revelation that sets the captives free, not mine. Yes. Amen? It's so, Paul He's saying, listen, gone are the days of limitations and hindrances. Gone are the days of rules and hindrances. Now you have the holies of holies on the inside of you, and you can have direct access to God anytime you wish. The only rule is you must die, and the only hindrance is your ability to do so. I preach to anybody this morning. We need to get the same revelation today. We need to get the same revelation today that these Jewish believers were blown away by. God, we've had it too easy. We've had it too good. We haven't had any pressure on us to grow us, we haven't had anything to bring the oil out of us. We have been living on standby. We have been living on wait and see. We have been living on coastal Christianity. But death is still required. Death is still required. The rule is death to live. And the only limitation that you now have, the only hindrance in front of you, is your ability to continually do so. These Jewish believers, their minds are absolutely blown by this. For 3,000 years, this is what they did. Temples and tents, slaughtering, all of these things that they would have to do even to just get right with God, let alone close to God. And now because of what Jesus has done on the cross, this is co-heir, this inheritance that's available to us and, that, and major most part being heirs of oneness with God. We've had it easy because we are 2,000 years separated from these moments. We've had it easy because we get to dust off an old book and feel good about our relationship, but these are believers in the most defiled place in their time fighting to have intimacy with Lord Jesus. We treat him as casual, and they are giving their lives to be intimate. And that's who Paul's writing to. And it's amazing because he is saying, listen here, listen. Life in the spirit is the goal. Now I'm gonna say something and I don't care, (gasps) okay? Earlier last week, right, Sunday starts the week, yeah. Earlier last week, someone reached out to another pastor on staff and made the statement, I guess I just don't understand what the goal of Takeover Church is. To me, I thought it was really plain. But I, I honest to God, I, I was like, what do you mean? What's the goal? What's the goal? Well, we're going to make a home for him. We're going to be a presence people. And we're going to live to see Jesus take over people's lives. And then when I'm reading this in Paul and he's explaining to Jewish believers, no, we are called to live life in the spirit, to set our minds on the things of the spirit of God and not on the spirit of the flesh, but on the spirit of God. Elevate, higher. look at things from God's perspective, live at things from God's perspective, receive things from God's perspective, amen? And so for me, I guess if I need to make it more plain what our goal is here, it is to raise up disciples that live lives in the Spirit. Am I preaching to anybody? Come on, because I guess, here's the deal. I don't know what other churches' uh, goal is, but I don't know how there's any other goal. It is to live as Christ and die as Christ. Amen? That is the goal of the church. As for me in this house... We will train up disciples that live lives in the spirit. Amen? Listen, until you're raising dead bodies from the grave or you are in heaven, Takeover Church's job is not done. Until you are raising bodies out the grave or you are in heaven, the goal of Takeover Church is not met. And as we go and as we grow and as we see God do amazing things in and through our people, the goal is still not done because we got to go and get more. We got to go and get more. We got to go, we got to rescue, we got to resuscitate, we got to resurrect, and then we got to disciple them and train them up to do what? Live life in the Spirit. That's the goal. If we need to make this any more clearer, let it be known. The goal is that you would live a life in the Spirit. I appreciate anybody this morning. If you're not laying hands and legs aren't being healed, my job's not done. (sighs) Okay? This is what we live for. This is what we die for. To live as Christ and to die as Christ is the goal of the church. If you thought it was a fancy building, it's not. If you thought it was 5,000 people, it's not. Would a fancy building be awesome? Yes. Would 5,000 people be amazing? Absolutely. I believe we're going to get there wholeheartedly, but it is not the goal. It's the fruit of the goal, but it's not the goal. It's the diesel of the gasoline. It's the byproduct of the goal, but the goal is that you would live a life not on the flesh, but built on the Spirit. Preach to anybody this morning. And so this is mind-blowing for these Jewish believers. This is mind-blowing, and it should blow our minds. We should get this on the inside of us because what this did for them was they removed every rule. Every hindrance. It meant church and temple is a time where we get to unite with brothers and sisters and we're all coming alongside what Jesus is doing in the room. It meant that our small groups in our tents, our conversations and our dinners now had life and purpose. Instead of grieving the loss of sacrifice, we now get to celebrate the living sacrifice of King Jesus. It changed everything. And there was a time when Christians actually believed this. There was a time when Christians actually believed this because when this took place, Jesus, he died a debt on that cross that was ours to pay, but we couldn't. He died at Calvary, and what happened was believers believed it, and believers realized I'm a co-heir on what he just did. I'm a co-heir on what just happened. And it ripped through the universe. It changed everything. And believers, they believed it. And because they believed it, their shadows healed people. Because they believed it, dead bodies were raised. Because they believed it, demons were casted out of people. Because they believed it the name of Jesus is now the most known name in all of the earth because the disciples took it with them to the end of the earth. Can I tell you today, the gospel of Jesus Christ is your inheritance. It's your inheritance to live and it's your inheritance to work. It's your inheritance to live and it is your inheritance to work, the disciples believed it, and what they did is they took it to the ends of the earth. They lived it at the ends of the earth, and they worked it at the ends of the earth. At the ends of the earth, there wasn't anything that was too broken, too dark, too debaucherous, too removed, too defiled that the gospel couldn't go with them, be lived through them, and be worked in them. I preached to anybody this morning, and they believed this, and it changed the world because they realized the bride wasn't just Jesus's inheritance, but Jesus was the bride's inheritance. You hear me? You are God's gift to his son and his son is his gift to you. And it's not just his life sacrificed for yours. It's all that was in him and all that is on him and all that he is in. It's available to every single one of us. So Paul, he continues down this track of life in the spirit. And he says, listen, you you have an inheritance that is immeasurable. You haven't even begun to scratch the surface or begun to understand all that you actually are. And he goes on to point out something absolutely amazing. He goes, listen, listen, listen. You are to live life in the spirit. You set your mind on the things of the spirit and no longer set your mind on the things of the flesh. You know what that tells me? It tells me there is some activity that's required on our end. That means that you and I are actually called to live lives where we quit giving possession of our lives to the devil and we keep the possession of our lives firmly in Jesus' hands. Not I preach to anybody this morning, see, you actually have to place your mind on the things of the Spirit. You have to actively activate your life and place it again and again and again and again and again in the hands of Jesus. In the hands of the Spirit. And you have to take it actively and aggressively. Put to death the flesh that is within you. And you have to go, no, 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 no. Again and again and again and again. That's our life. You see, last week we talked about deliverance. And I love deliverance. Because God wants to deliver us from what? The works of the devil and the works of the flesh and the works of the world. Amen? If there is a trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, then there is an unholy trinity of the world, of culture, and the enemy. Okay? And God wants to deliver you from your flesh, the world, and the enemy. But how many of you know it's not just deliverance from, it's deliverance to? Jesus doesn't just deliver you from, he delivers you to. So many Christians, we live lives going, I need a Hail Mary, SOS, Lord Jesus, save me, but we're not found asking him to deliver us somewhere else. It's like, God, can you rescue me from the waves? He's like, I could silence the waves and I could also place you on the mountaintop. What would you like? What would happen if we didn't just have a moment of Hail Mary, a moment of SOS, a moment of of help, I'm falling and I can't get up, instead... Instead, we said, no, 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 deliver me from the waves, but deliver me to the mountaintop. Because the mountaintop is available in your inheritance. Your inheritance isn't just rescue, it's redemption. I said your inheritance is not just rescue, it's redemption. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It's not God just save me from the waves. It's God take me to where you are. He delivers you from so he can deliver you to and Paul he's going listen 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 the holy spirit didn't come so that you could again fall back into a slavery spirit and you know what's interesting to me you know what stands out is that he says a spirit of slavery but not just not just any spirit of slavery a spirit of fear a spirit of fear You see, listen, when you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, if you are co-heirs with Christ, if everything that is in Christ is now available to you and supposed to be found in you, what does that make you? That makes you the single most imposing and intimidating force on this earth besides Father God himself. Hear me, Christian. Believe me, Christian. The world needs you to believe this. The world needs you to get this. The kingdom of heaven is going to be a lot fuller when you and I get this in our bones. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are the single most imposing and intimidating force on this earth outside of God himself. You are. You are. Or does co-heir with Christ mean something more tame? Or does co with Christ mean something less imposing and more impotent? Are you a nuclear force or a neutered force? What are you? He said there's a slavery spirit. And I think for every Christian, there's a reason Paul states this. It's because the second you stop walking in the victory of the Spirit, chances are you fell for the lie that there is something more intimidating on this earth than you are. Chances are you fell for the lie. You believed the lie that there's something more imposing than you are. You see, the devil devil doesn't hate what is small. The devil hates what is big. The devil don't got to worry about something that's small. He needs to worry about something big. From the beginning of time, we can see it. He wanted to be bigger than. And because he wants to be bigger than, he will steal, kill, and destroy. And the easiest way to get a Christian to not be and not believe that they are the single most intimidating and opposing force on this earth is to get them to relinquish the possession of their lives from the hands of Christ to the hands of fear. If He can get you scared and believing that something else is bigger than you, well, then He doesn't have to kill you, He's already got you in chains. He doesn't need to kill you. He already has you in chains. And Christians, we fall for it hook, line, and sinner almost every single time. And I believe it's because we have not preached the co-heir of Christ's message for far too long. But you're a co-heir. And if I could just get one Christian to believe that they actually have the power of the risen Christ on the inside of them, I think we can change this region. I think we can see heaven invade earth. I think we can host angels and we can see things happen in our midst and I think we can see our gatherings look far more like heaven and far less like a TED talk. Far more like heaven and less like a political rally. Far more like heaven and something otherworldly. That the outliers and bystanders are looking at marveled going, what is this? We've not seen a house of worship like this. Where Christians actually believe what they read. And not only do they believe, they activate what they believe. You see a lot of Christians today, they're preaching activism. Because the large part of Christianity is getting activated in the spirit life. okay, And getting deactivated in the flesh life. A lot of Christians are preaching, activate, activism. And activism is good if it's actually for a good cause, but too many Christians out here believing and breathing activism like it is the bread of life itself. Activism outside of the heart of Christ profits you nothing. Profits you nothing. (laughs) It's got to be his. It's gotta be his. It's placing our mind on the life of the Spirit is saying, I am going to look at things from a higher perspective. I'm gonna look at things with eternal consequence. I'm gonna see things through the eyes of Christ Himself. I am going to pray the prayers of Christ Himself. This is my new reality. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, one of the things that Paul goes on to say, he's like, listen, you're not supposed to be a slave to fear. You are the single most imposing force on this planet. And if the devil can get you to think that there's something above you besides God himself, he will have you right where he wants you. And I think it needs to be said today. Listen, we have got to put to death the phrase, I fell into sin. You're a Christian. You didn't fall anywhere. You didn't fall anywhere. You didn't fall anywhere. If you fell somewhere, it's because you were not living life in the spirit and paying attention to your actions. You weren't paying attention to your heart. You weren't paying attention to your ears. You weren't paying attention to your eyes. You weren't paying attention to your mind. If you are a Christian, you have given possession of your life to Christ. And if you enter into sin, it's because you stepped out of the spirit and you gave possession to the enemy. Right. That's why it's the spirit of slavery. Yep. Because you relinquished your possession of Jesus As you gave your life, you gave possession of your life to a lie, to the kingdom of darkness, to the enemy himself. We got to quit passing the buck on our sin. We got to quit passing the buck on holiness. We got to quit passing the buck on our inheritance and we got to start taking responsibility and saying today, today, no, 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 I am a possession of Christ. And as a possession of Christ, I have the inheritance of Christ. You see, Paul, he goes on to say in just a second, he goes, he goes, listen, all creation is crying out for the day of adoption to come. He's like, listen, all of creation, creation is groaning in the earth. Creation is praying to God, come Lord Jesus, come rescue us, redeem us, restore us, make us new, restore us to our original design and intention. Creation is crying that out. Can I tell you today that creation is praying bigger prayers than Christians are? When is the last time you prayed, Jesus, make me like you, before you prayed, Jesus, change my husband? When's the last time you said, Jesus, make me like you, before you prayed, Jesus, give me a pay increase at work? Jesus, make me like you, before you prayed, Jesus, give me a boyfriend or a girlfriend? When is the last time we joined in creation, praying for rivers of revival? Creation is crying out, come Lord Jesus, come. And the church is going, if I could just get recognized at work for my hard work. We are, lead, we are leaving the intercession for revival for rocks to cry out we have left we live in west michigan we live in the mitten we live in this midwest region we have left the intercession ministry to the great lakes to pray lord jesus come creation is groaning it is hurricaning it is tsunami out of control going lord would you come back and set us right would you come back and would you redeem us would you come back and restore creation and all that we are to what we were in the garden and christians we're not even praying daily But yet creation itself that's not even made in his image or his likeness and does not have his Holy Spirit, it groans and it cries out, come Lord Jesus, come. Are we going to leave the intercession ministry for revival to the Great Lakes? Or are Christians going to begin to inhabit a place of prayer and a place of intimacy and a place of oneness that we join in with the groaning of creation and we begin to pray first what we believe most? Creation is praying. Come back. Redeem. Restore, anoint, change. Take us back to what you planned all those years ago. And it's funny because Paul points out, and creation had nothing to do with the fall. It was subjected to because of what Adam and Eve chose to do. And now it's paying a price and it's groaning deep cries and it's praying and it's talking to the Lord and it is raging. Christians want an answer. Why do these bad things happen in the world? Why are there natural disasters? Why are there famine? Why are these phenomenons going on? And science will tell you it's barometric pressure and it's all these things that are going on. And then the political rallies will tell you, oh, it's this party or this party and people are doing dodgy things and da-da-da-da-da. And creation is telling you, no. It is because the sinfulness of man that we rage. It is because of man falling apart and causing the world to go to hell in a handbasket. We are raging and we are burning at the seams and we are saying come Lord Jesus come that's why we rage that's why we're out of control that's why we have category five hurricanes because creation is praying prayers that the church is not it's groaning because it longs to be restored to what it was made to be. Are you groaning to be restored to what you were made to be? Or do you just want a girlfriend? Or do you just want a little bit more money? Or do you just want a little bit more status? Do you want to be what the inheritance says you can be? Because in the inheritance, friends, in the inheritance is what is unseen but what's already been said yes to. <clears throat> you see, Paul, he goes on to say, he goes, for this is the hope by which you were saved for. This is the hope, redemption, resurrection, new bodies, new earth, coming back of Lord Jesus, setting everything right. That's the hope you were saved for. And then Paul goes on the challenge and he goes, so who hopes for what they can see? Who hopes for what they can obtain on their own? Who prays for what they can achieve and obtain and get on their own? You see, this is why this reveals what you believe the most because are we going, wait, 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 wait. If real hope and what we were saved for is for what is in the unseen and not what is seen, then my prayers aren't big enough when I'm praying, God, would you guide the surgeon's hands instead of God, would you give me a new bone? Listen, there are creative miracles hidden behind the veil that have already been said yes to for you have already been given to you, have already been made available, but you were saved for a hope which you have that is in the unseen but has already been said yes to, yet we are found praying for and placing hope in that which we can see, that which we can explain, and that which we can achieve and obtain on our own. I'm not saying that we don't pray pray for surgeons. We should, absolutely. I'm saying we don't pray for it first. We don't pray for it first. I've actually never seen in scripture where Jesus prayed for a surgeon. Have you? I've actually never seen it. I've seen him do in a touch of a hem of a garment what 12 years and doctors and witch doctors alike couldn't do. I've seen in this very church Black spots on a heart, on an MRI, go in on a Monday to have their chest cracked open just to have one more final MRI done while they're already under anesthesia and then to wake them up and go, black spot was gone. Prayed on a Sunday, revealed on a Monday. I've seen it. And this is the inheritance. And do you know what that means? <laughs> because I've already seen that, I now have a responsibility to believe for something I haven't seen. Are we gonna keep living powerless lives where we pray for things we've already seen, we've already achieved? Or are we gonna begin to live powerful lives where we pray for and believe for things we haven't yet seen? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? All creation groans and then Worship team, you can make your way up here. We'll lay in this bird. I knew there was no way we'd get through 29 verses. I knew it. But I wanted all the meat today. I want all the meat because you need to be built up. The bride will never be As healthy, beautiful, strong, and radiant as she's called to be, living off impossible burgers. Seeker friendly, hippie Christianity is dead. We're here for the meat. And so, what happens next? And, Grant, if you just want to play something spiritual, make me sound awesome. And by that, I mean click a button. There it is. Finally learned. See what Paul says next. As he goes, listen, this Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you, he prays for you, and he actually prays as you. He may pray for you and he prays as you but what he really wants is to pray with you and there is a difference you see it says holy spirit when you don't know what to pray when you are in weakness when you are confused or even when you're just praying wrong and not big enough prayers he is praying on your behalf and the, Paul goes as far as to say he is groaning prayers too deep for words. Why do, why do people groan? Because there is a problem or a task that goes beyond their understanding and yet something must be brought forth and yet some word must be spoken something has to get out of you beyond your understanding beyond your limitation beyond your confusion beyond your situation and your circumstances it might be over your head and completely ununderstandable by you but something still just has to be like Ugh! are you all right Ugh! See, Holy Spirit, He longs for you to join Him in praying prayers that go beyond your understanding. He longs for you to co labor, co partner, co mission, co heir with Him in prayer that is too deep for human language but is the very breakthrough that you need. See, breakthrough comes breakthrough comes when the gates decide they're going to agree with the pressure of the water behind them that it's time to open. That's the human life and our communion with the Holy Spirit breakthrough happens in our lives the gates fly open when we decide to finally agree with what god says when we decide to finally pray what god is praying for us when we decide we're going to relent and break we're not just going to bend any further but we're going to break to what the pressure of the holy spirit is attempting to do behind us see christians always go when's my breakthrough going to come i've been praying and walking around these walls i thought by now they fall and we sing that song and it makes us feel good for a moment but we never get the revelation do we that god will bring breakthrough when you finally come around to his way of thinking and his way of praying why does breakthrough take so long because it takes us so long to come around to his way of thinking and his way of praying, if we would just join in, if we would just partner with him, if we would just have the courage to begin to groan the prayers alongside him. He's not looking to continue pray for you and pray as you. No, he longs to pray with you. It's only in the co-laboring the co-partner and the co-mission, the co-heirness, the oneness, It's only in that when the, when the gates and the water agree that it's time to flood. That's when we see breakthrough. Would you guys stand? That's when we see breakthrough. When God doesn't have to force his will in your life. but you give up yours and you take on his and you say yeah this area of my life would look a whole lot better if you were just running it my mind would work a lot better if you just had it my heart would have a whole lot less holes if it was just found in your hands my life would be far less stressful if i just relented to how you wanted me to live Paul's saying, "The Holy Spirit, He groans prayers too deep for human understanding, and yet often we're found trying to reason out everything instead of just joining in the ununderstandable, unaudible groanings of God on your behalf." So in just a moment, we're going to sing this song. If you could, you can kill the lights. And what I want to do right now. No, kill them. All of them. These two. Kill it. I don't want it. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to go before Jesus And we are going to meet with him we're going to enter into that place of intimacy that breeds revelation and we're going to fall at his feet and we're going to join with creation we're not going to allow the grand rapids to pray prayers for us for our region that we're not willing to pray for ourselves we're going to bust open what the will of God says is found in our inheritance we're going to ask God for the things not yet seen but already signed off on and we're again going to take up somebody say take up take up we are going to take up our oneness. And we're going to begin today to live the lives that deliverance was just the beginning last week. That means there's got to be a multiplication because that's all our God does miracles and multiply it's who he is and so right now if the core team just wants to make themselves available around if you need further prayer if you need to repent if you have some sin to confess if you have some disbelief that you need to dispel Right now is your moment. Core team, like I said, you can make your way this way. It's dark, we can't see you back there. But I wanna invite you, come to the altar. Come get prayer. Have someone agree with you in your inheritance, in your co-heirness with Christ. And today we're going to leave knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that what is in Christ Jesus is now on the inside of us, and if He has it, it's ours, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything He gave. And today we're going to walk in our adoption, amen? So let's sing, let's worship, and if that's you, there's no shame in this place. You come forward, you get prayer, you get delivered, you get activated, you get gifts poured into you, you get impartation happening, whatever it is, leave today firmly established as a co-heir with Christ, the kind of rock he could build his church on and the gates of hell would not prevail because you are the gates of which breakthrough.